Are you thinking about starting your own cash practice? Maybe you've already started your own practice and you're starting to realize that there's a lot to learn when it comes to business. We can be great clinicians, but if we don't understand the business side of having our own practice, we're going to have a hard time being successful in business. Guys, I wrote a book for you and I took everything that I've learned over the last five years of running successful cash practice here in Atlanta. And I put it in this book and I gave you everything that you need to be able to start and scale that practice past yourself. That book is called Fuck Insurance. And if you don't like the title, the book is not for you. If you do like the title, it's the exact book that you need to be reading right now. I show you exactly how to start. I show you what's important when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, when it comes to operations, and what stage you're actually at in the business. You know, where you're at, what you need to focus on while you're there, and how to get to the next stage. I'm trying to set it up in a way where you can get some clarity in your business. And the book for now is 100% free. All you have to do is go to finsurancebook.com. That's finsurancebook.com and get your free copy of the book that I wrote specifically to help you be successful in business. The book is free. All you got to do is pay for it to get to your door so that I don't lose my shirt on giving everybody all these books and sending them around the world. And again, head to finsurancebook.com. Learn how to run a successful cash practice today. So here's the question. How do physical therapists like us who don't want to see 30 patients a day, who don't want to work home health and have real student loans create a career and life for ourselves that we've always dreamed about? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Danny Matei and welcome to the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. What's going on, guys? Doc Danny here, the PT Entrepreneur Podcast, and I got my buddy, uh, my buddy Adam Loacano on. He's the uh, director of rehab for the Phoenix Suns, previously with the Atlanta Hawks, where we actually met as he was moving out of that position. We can talk about that a little bit, um, and then before that, with the the new uh, New England Revolution uh, as a uh, strength and conditioning coach. So. Great uh, performance PT background, strength and conditioning background, um, and now functioning as a, as a uh, PT uh, and the director of rehab during a kind of weird time um, in COVID that's going on right now in the NBA bubble down in Orlando. So I, I, I figured you had more time on your hands, uh, maybe than you usually do. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to get, get, a, get a conversation in and kind of talk about what's going on as well as um, the, you know, uh, navigating the pro community and how to look at getting jobs in that and what that looks like, pros and cons, because you have a lot of experience with that, man. So um, thanks for carving out some time to uh, speak this morning. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's, it's great to catch up again. And I know we're going to dive into some cool topics. So I'm excited to, to really catch up and, and dive further. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Doug Kachijan, who sent you our way after you, uh, you finished up your job with the, uh, the Hawks, who uh, uh, another, uh, you know, great performance PT sent us our way. And as soon as like, as soon as you showed up, I think what was interesting was, you know, my, you know, Ashley, she was like, Hey, check this guy out. He just showed up and was uh, inquiring about if we had a, a staff position. And I look at your resume and I was like, this guy cannot be a staff PT for us. Like he's the most overqualified person to ever like, like submit interest in working with us. I was like, I just gotta, I'm going to talk to him and, and grab coffee. And, uh, it was a fun conversation, man. And I know you're kind of in between, do I stay in the pro ranks? Do I move on to something else? And like ended up taking the job with the, uh, the Suns, which I think is, uh, is really cool. So, um, it's cool to catch back up and, and, and see where everything's at. So I tell you, man, why don't you do this? You have a really, you know, interesting background with the teams you've worked with. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how, first of all, you ended up getting a PT school and from there ended up moving over to these other, uh, these other, uh, professional organizations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a unique question because there's, there's no right way or 
pathway to, to pro sports. I mean, for me, I was very fortunate. Uh, my my int- um, entrance into professional sports really came out of just working as a soccer coach, you know, with the New England Revolution. And as I graduated undergraduate and strength and conditioning, was, you know, blessed to have an opportunity from the first team with the Revolution to, to work with them. And that just evolved into more and more responsibilities and roles with the professional team. At the same time, decided that, hey, want to do more. Uh, went into PT school while still working for the soccer team over at Springfield College, which was nice, both in Massachusetts. And then after, after PT school was done, you know, got, again, fortunate enough, some people that I knew reached out from the Atlanta Hawks, and that's what brought me to Atlanta. And then same thing, people that I knew reached out, brought me to the Phoenix Suns. And it seems simple, right? Like, oh, people reach out, people reach out. But like, how do you, how do you build those connections? And for me, going through PT school and being young, like, you talk about like the way that comes to mind is sacrifice, right? Like sacrificing weekends to go to seminars and courses when you're in PT school or when you're first out, right? Not just like, like I enjoy learning and want to get better, but at the same time, I found, you know, putting yourself in situations or environments where people that you wanted to get to or people that are in place that you wanted to get to, just being around them and having the opportunity, even if it's five minutes to, to just have a conversation, introduce yourself or just learn their story like you're, we're talking about right now. That's kind of what kept leading me down this road of another person calling, another person calling just by being around people that I wanted to get to, like get to their level. And that's kind of the advice I, you know, when people reach out, I would imagine people reach out for you when it comes to PT entrepreneurship, you know, same thing for myself. A lot of people will reach out, like, how how do I do that? How do I get to where you are? And the best piece of advice I have is, is just surround yourself with people that you want to get to their level. Um, and also be willing to bring something to the table for them. I think that's great advice, man. Um, and I think the other thing, and maybe you could speak to this too, is the, not just the action, but the intention behind it, you know, like actually honestly wanting to learn and, uh, you know, be mentored and, uh, and, and like provide value and be helpful. I think it's very rare because it's, I, you probably can see this as well when people reach out to you and, they have their own like intentions behind everything. And it's like, it's like they want your time to help them do something. It's like, dude, I have like all this other stuff going on. Like I've got a family and, and these, you know, like I don't really like want to just help you for no reason, no offense, but like what, what's the purpose versus somebody that, that comes in and is like, you know, really motivated to, to learn and is obsessed with the process and is like delaying gratification of what's going to happen. Like what you're talking about. I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I do think that the intention drives my willingness to work with people uh, in a capacity where I'm giving them their, my, my time. And I'm, I'd assume you're the same way. Yeah. I, I have a, like, I have like my own internal rule. Like I always try, I try to respond. I always try to respond. Like I, I get it. Like is there's no right way. So how, how do people get it? So I try to respond, but like with that intention piece, like I just find my, like you can really like within the first few messages, the first few seconds of the conversation, you kind of get a vibe of like, Oh, okay. Like, are you in this to just kind of, you want, like you want a handout or are you really genuinely trying to build a connection here and just like, Hey, I just want to learn and see what, see what's out there. Um, so like the, I find myself recommending to people when they reach out, like, Hey, how do I do this? I say, bring something to the table. And I've heard this a few times, like, you know, in our world, we reach out to a lot of different colleagues and different sports, different teams, because that's how we learn in our profession. we just reach out. And it's, it's, it's so easy nowadays to reach out, send an email, send a DM, like, but bring something to the table and it doesn't have to be like a monetary thing. It just be like, Hey, like I have this idea. Like, uh, I think this could be beneficial. I, I enjoy, I want to talk about this. Like 
almost as an exchange, right? A currency exchange, if your currency isn't money, it may be information, it may be even another connection, something like that. Just being able to be willing to put something in because you're expecting something in return as well. Yeah, and I, I think you brought the, the point too of like, uh, it's oftentimes we're like, oh, he was like a young guy. He probably just got this job, you know, straight out of school. They don't, they don't, uh, what they don't see is like, I mean, if you had to add up the hours of how many evenings and weekends you spent, you know, interning or, uh, you know, working as a coach prior to then going back to PT school. And then like, even working once you're with the team, the amount of like, just sacrifice of time is, is, uh, is massive, you know? So, I mean, if, if, if you really had to say like, before you actually got to the Hawks, how many years have you been working towards getting a position like that? Um, let's see. I would say 2009 until 2000. When did I go to the Hawks? Uh, 2017. Honestly, eight, like eight years really comes to mind. And it's set in a sense of like starting undergrad, like I knew I wanted to work in sports. So yeah, 2009, 2017. And like, the word sacrifice keeps coming up. Right. And it's, and I just remember like distinctly, like a Bill Hartman's a close mentor of mine in Indianapolis and my PT school denied me the opportunity to go do a full-time internship with him. Wow. And I was like, I still want to learn from someone. Like I want to learn from this guy because he's, he brought this incredible value to the table every time I talk to him. And so we talk about sacrifice every when every school break that I had during PT school, whether it was a week, two weeks, I went out on my own and just hung out. Like I was blessed that Bill would, Bill would take me in and I went there. So I never really had like those school breaks that you might get in, in PT school. I took that opportunity. Like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find this person and learn from this person. Um, so that's like the, like one sacrifice that comes to mind. And then just the hours of weekend courses, right? Like you go, your, your friends are going to the beach or whatnot. And you're sitting in a nine hour course trying to, to learn something, right? It's, yeah. Those things add up. And, you know, I think just being able and being persistent with those things, you know, fortunately have, have helped me out down the road. Yeah. And I mean, it's so similar, man. I mean, I, I can totally relate to what you're talking about because I mean, I've, I, I spent hours watching like, you know, mobility wad videos of Kelly Starrett, uh, you know, while I was uh, like, uh, finishing up PT school when I got out to uh, Hawaii, my wife thought it was super weird to be sitting there for like four hours on a Saturday morning <laughs> watching, like catching up on all these YouTube videos. And it's like yeah. a, a, a beautiful day in Hawaii and I'm, I'm watching YouTube videos and, you know, eventually, and I'd love to hear how you developed this relationship with, with Bill, because, um, you know, for me, uh, the, the way that I developed the relationship with Kelly was uh, just pure interest to apply to the military uh, population that I was working with and trying to validate what they were doing to help me not see as many patients. It was literally all about, can I use this in a tactical environment? And I didn't really see anybody doing it. So I just flew out there for uh, a week. Um, I just used my own like leave time. I paid for the whole trip. Like I, I, and I literally spent a whole week uh, outdoors. At the time they didn't have a gym indoor. So like, it was in a parking lot. I didn't really know that because I didn't actually know that much about them. I just knew I wanted to like learn this information. I spent all of about an hour with Kelly because he was writing uh, Supple Leopard at the time. I worked out like three times a day with random coaches that they had. And I learned so much in the process. Uh, and I was sore as hell by the time I got back. But, uh, <laughs> but, but then I applied what I learned in Hawaii to about 100 people. And I tracked data for a few months. And then I just sent it to them. And I was like, hey, here's what I found. We, we ended up decreasing our uh, injury rates. I thought you guys might find this uh, valuable. And uh, he called me like two days later and, and was like, dude, this is awesome. Like we've never had anybody actually 
validate what we're doing in a tactical population. And then he was heading out there and offered to teach a course for our brigade for free because of what I had done. And I didn't think of anything of it. I was like, I have to track this anyway to see if it's validated, but it was value. And I look back on it and, and it's just like, okay, I provided value to somebody that was beneficial to them to feather in their cap to help them get more tactical jobs. Uh, but uh, it was purely out of just like what my job was at the time and me wanting to be better at it. So how did you develop that relationship with, with Bill early on? I was, so my colleague with the, with the New England Revolution, Nick Downing, um, you know, speaking, I was speaking earlier about someone that was in pro sports and has his own private sector too. We can, he kind of showed me how that looks like as well. But he mentioned, you know, I was just asking him, hey, like you got any people that you recommend following, like on social media, learning from, and, you know, Bill's name came up and through some weak ties, he was able to put me in contact with Bill and Bill always, you know, has PT students. And so the weeks that I was trying to, to, go, to go to him during PT school, sometimes he didn't have a student, sometimes he did, but it really it reached out. He was very open to having another student. And then, yeah, we just hit it off, I think. I mean, I, I, we still like, yeah, I was just talking to him last week. Like he's, he's now a close friend uh, as a mentor as well. Um, it really was just that, just reaching out and talking. And I look back and like, uh, I think like, why, like why, what is it that about that relationship that's still keeps going. And I think during my time there, if I reflect back on it, uh, I was very observant of him and just asking a lot of questions and just trying to just genuinely learn um, from him, but not only him, but also his entire staff at the time, like their crew that they had when I was there, many of them have moved on to Google, Facebook, NBA, like they're everywhere. There were just a lot of smart people that we could all just have a conversation. And I genuinely felt like I could contribute to the conversation based on my own experience and what I was learning, but at the same time, really just genuinely wanting to learn from them, not just trying to get my own two cents. And I think that mentality of observation and being curious um, really just continued to foster that relationship with Bill to the point where we've collaborated on like our own model and framework of how we approach performance and physical therapy. That's kind of now our, our link of how we stay in contact. Yeah, I think also if you know if I had to guess the the amount of time you spent coaching was a huge uh, advantage too. You know, in terms of you know a lot of people that go to PT school, um, it's straight out of school, right? I mean, they they go straight from undergrad to to PT school, traditional kind of trajectory. Uh, for you to have the amount of coaching at a high level that you did, and then be able to like it, you develop that skill set that many people have to develop when they get out of PT school. So you were learning like a different component of it, but it already spent a good bit of time mastering, you know, coaching people, communication, like how to structure programming, like all that stuff that we eventually get out and we're like, oh shit, I didn't actually, I need to learn a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know anything. You had already had that to begin with. So, you know, do you feel like, that, you know, for a lot of people that go the traditional path, like, or decide to maybe go the non-traditional path, like, have you noticed that, you know, there was a, uh, an advantage for you to decide, hey, I'm going to go into coaching first and then I'm going to go back to PT school? I, let's just bias, I, I think, yes. I, my own experience from observations of colleagues and the classmates, the ones that have, I think, have come out of the gates most successful, you tend to see two trends. One, they are some level of a coach. It doesn't have to be a strength and conditioning coach. It could be like you were coaching dance. You were, you were a dance instructor. You were just anything that required, right? Commanding a room, developing some sort of a plan, and having some long-term goal, right? I think those individuals that serve some semblance of a coach, um, had success or someone that was coached 
meaning an athlete. And I, and I say that because at least they, I don't like my, my girlfriend, Lauren, she's like, I don't know how to describe it. She just gets it right. She never worked in sports, but she just gets this lifestyle. She gets what it is because she played a sport as well. So I think those that either coached or were in some sort of team environment, maybe that's not sport, maybe but there's other team environments that aren't necessarily sport. Those inherent skills that come with it, I, I have just noticed those individuals tend to be a little bit ahead of those that don't when it comes to the, let's call it the soft skills that you don't necessarily learn in PT school. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point, man. I mean, I think, you know, learning how to work with other people, putting in work, like sacrifice time, uh, deliberate practice on things that maybe aren't the most fun things to do, but you know, are going to lead to you getting, being better at the overall sport. Like these are all the things that we know lead to sport performance, but really I, the, uh, one of the books I really like is the talent code. Uh, are you familiar with that book? Yeah. It's fantastic, right? It's like so interesting. It's like, okay, all I have to do is become obsessed with something and have deliberate practice and I can, I can progress. Maybe I'm not going to be, you know, LeBron James, but like I can get better at really whatever I want. And I think that is really empowering uh, idea. And uh, to, to your point, uh, going into that with the understanding of like, oh, I've already done this in a different arena. I have this skill set. I can just apply it now academically or now as a, uh, you know, as I'm learning after school um, is really helpful from, a, from an athletic standpoint. I, I see the same thing from the military. I feel like military uh, does really well because they get plugged into a group and they're working towards a common goal and it's not about you and you're not as, you know, uh, important as you think you are. And you quickly realize that. And then you're, you're a lot more selfless about your decisions and what you do. So I totally agree with that. And I, I'd love to, uh, you know, see and really shift gears in terms of, you know, you moving into the NBA and, and, uh, and before we even talk about where you're at right now, it's kind of a weird, unique circumstance, but like, um, what, what do you see in terms of the pros and cons of working in the professional uh, ranks? You've kind of been there in multiple sports now. So, um, you, you know, what, what do you see with that in terms of, you know, the advantages, the opportunities you have? Obviously, there's some cool stuff, but also the disadvantages of, uh, of being involved with a professional organization. Definitely has its uh, ups and downs and advantages and disadvantages. I think uh, if we talk like lifestyle, um, up until we'll speak like before, like pre-COVID, I think that's easier, easier to start with. Sure. Like my, my schedule is consistently inconsistent. Like days of the week don't matter. It's either a practice day, a game day, or an off day. But even an off day in season is like, if I have a guy that's symptomatic or has injuries, like I'm in working. Um, so your schedule is consistently, consistently inconsistent, which is going to require a sacrifice on, from a social perspective, right? Like the amount of weddings I've missed out on or, or family gatherings or birthdays, right? It's just like, I'm sorry, my, I don't really get to choose my schedule. Um, it just kind of is at certain times of the year. Um, you don't get to choose when you get to take vacation. You just know you're going to have it. Like there's only certain times of the year you can take vacation. So from a personal level, it's, that makes it tough. Um, the benefits on a personal level is I get to travel the country for free. Um, I think being able to see different cities, uh, different, meet different people, if you're willing to, to be social when you travel, I think that's a very huge positive, which I enjoy. Uh, on a professional level, you, it's, it's tough, right? Because I work with the same 15 athletes for the same, for, for nine months, even maybe six months, depending if they don't stay for off season. Um, and then even that, like there's a roster turnover. So maybe you're only really seeing, you know, five new players next year. So you really get good. You're really able to take some deep dives and like really know who you're working with at the same time your clinical skills go down, my opinion. Um, like they go up on certain like finite things, but they also go down in the sense of you're only seeing so much, right? I work in basketball 
they tend, you tend to see the same injuries. You tend to see the same types of bodies. So there's only so much that you're going to test and retest and look at. So I think that piece of the monotony of your treatments and the monotony of what you see can be a bit mundane, but also it allows you to dive deeper on those topics if you're willing to dive deeper yeah. on a professional level. What about other teams? Because so, so that's a that's a I mean NBA is obviously like smallest number of athletes really that we're going to be working with. But if we're talking about baseball or soccer, like when you were with Revolution, um, how do you feel like the the differences there when you have you know now you're talking like 15 people, right? You can develop amazing rapport with them, really yeah. get a lot of trust and buy-in and understand their body really well uh, and what their training you know, patterns are, or maybe their likelihood of certain injuries and being able to help kind of mitigate a lot of that stuff from the season. Uh, what about when it's, you're sort of outnumbered? Um, you know, do you feel like uh, there's, a, there's a sort of different element of skill set you have to develop with that? I definitely think it comes down to more of a management piece. And I think in, in MLS, like to give perspective, when I was with New England, we had two athletic trainers, mm -hmm two S&Cs. And then we had a part-time PT that would come in three days a week for a couple hours. So all in all, call it the five of us really was our, oh, in a massage service. So six of us to manage anywhere from 27 to 30 athletes. Here at the NBA, we have 15 athletes and our performance medical team is nine. So certainly wow. the ratio is different. And I think what it comes down to is, is putting people in buckets. Like you can your athletes, you're putting them in buckets, like who needs what, and then being able to manage them in small groups and knowing like in the, in the soccer world, like, yeah, these few players could probably be, you know, bucketed into this group, this, you know, these few players we bucketed in this group. So like, let's just keep it real basic. Someone that like, you have a group of athletes that have a history of the history of groin strains in soccer. And then a group of athletes that have history of hamstring strains. And then you have a group of athletes that have like chronic low back pain. So you can kind of give those athletes the attention they need in small group settings. Whereas in the NBA, the expectation is one-on-one -on -one individual care. Um, and so that's where you just have almost this concierge like service that you are trying to provide for these high level athletes in this type of environment. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Uh, what, what does your life look like now in comparison? So like you get to, you get to the, 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 uh, you know, Disney, Disney world, uh, parks and, uh, like what did the first couple of weeks look like for you and, and what's life look like, uh, now? Oh, it's, it's been an adventure and an experiment at the same time. Um, so when we first got here, it was self quarantining your room for 48 hours until you got two negative COVID tests back to back. And now every day we get, every day is COVID test, temperature check, pulse ox. Um, symptom check you literally can't like I wear this magic band I can't enter buildings unless I do all those things because then I'll it's just like your clearance card oh wow uh, so like you have to do all that if you don't then you get brought over to a private room and have to do it then then on the spot um, as far as the day-to-day -day, really it's it just feels like a long training camp um, like a long preseason right like you're in a resort all you do is you kind of work hang out and that's it but the, I'd say the nice thing about it now is we're just way more efficient with what we do um, because of the time constraints that we have and the physical constraints that we have not being able to go certain places. So it's just afforded us the opportunity to be more efficient, get things done. A lot of team camaraderie, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of team camaraderie with activities because this is all we have out here. So yeah. it's, I'm with the same people that I work with, that I hang out with, um, that I see every day. So the camaraderie and relationships have definitely gone up, which has been a huge positive for our group. I only speak for our team. I think we just have a young, 
team of players, a lot of new people on staff, including myself, that are still getting to know each other. And I've just seen personally some of my relationships with people um, just fly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like flourished in this yeah. situation. Because you have the opportunity to, hey, let's just sit down and have dinner or coffee because shit, I'm tired of talking to the other guy. Let's just talk to you. Um, whatever it may be, it's just the reality of what we're in right now. Yeah. It's so funny. It reminds me, it's so similar to like military, man. It's like, uh, um, yeah, you just sort of get bored. Uh, you're hanging around the same people, you know, and, and you, you've got a lot of downtime on your hands. You're sort of disconnected and isolated in different, you know, training environments, or if there's a deployed setting or something like that. And, and, um, but you know, to, to your point, I think like the depth of relationships that you build because of that, uh, I guess that amount of downtime and that amount of, uh, uh, time to really, you know, do, do team building activities. It's, it's, it's interesting to see how, you know, teams re respond to this, uh, you know, and, and what comes out of it. Um, what did they end up doing with you guys in terms of like where you work, man? So like your training space with people, the gym, like I'm assuming they had to build all the stuff out, uh, yeah. you know, when, when you guys got there. So like what spaces did they use for that? What's it look like? Yeah, I, I want to say, so I think if I have my numbers are correct, so the NBA had to invest $125 million to to build everything. Wow. But with, all, with all the revenue that they should get in, I think they're going to get like over one or two billion back. Um, good investment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good, right? It's a good investment. So what they, they I mean, they literally built, they built everything. Um, and we've had to build it too. So we're staying at the Yacht Club. We have two um, conference rooms that we use. One is a meal room and a film room. The other one is our training space and pop-up weight room. <clears throat> so we just had to bring everything that we needed, like training tables, uh, equipment, all of that stuff we brought ourselves to set up to make our own training room space. But then where we practice, you know, over at the Coronado or, you know, over at Wide World of Disney, they've just put up, put up courts. Um, in the conference space at the Coronado, they put up six courts inside the conference spaces so it's been it's been nice there they're state-of-the-art brand new weight rooms which are nice so you have a three-hour window to use that space to use the weight room the training room if you want there or in the court there and what we you know the way we structure our, our our lives now are like the two hours before that time we will work with our athletes in our own hotel tr training room space and then once we get there, that three hours is for utilization of the weight room and utilization of the basketball court. And so it really just condenses our day to about five hours of hands-on. And then coming back to the hotel, each time is different. Sometimes some players would like to get some recovery work in or extra therapy. Sometimes it's too late where it's just, hey, get to bed and we'll see you tomorrow. Dang. What a, what a, uh, what a fascinating time to be um, a clinician. Uh, or really, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, it could be any job. I mean, I'm imagining like your strength coach. I guess that's the other thing too, right? Like I imagine like your strength coach, uh, uh, I mean, with the standards that they have in place and, and uh, you know, just, just working with people in the capacity where they're breathing really hard and then they're about to play with each other. Like, it's just, you know, it's like, all right, well, if there's one positive test and then that gets spread to all these other people because they're, they're, you know, it's a contact game. What does that turn into? Like, I mean, do you, do you guys have like uh, uh, standard protocols in place? Like if somebody tests positive, they got contact trace everybody and all that. Yeah, so they, we have all that in place. So we have an individual on in our staff that is our, like, contract tracer. So he's been trained in, like, how to figure that out. But <clears throat> part of your daily routine is you have to get COVID tested. And they have a tight turnaround. I mean, it's less than 24 hours. You get the results. So that magic band that I was telling you about earlier 
if my my magic band say goes blue but i did my symptoms and all that and it's fine maybe my positive my test from before the next day the day before was positive and what that would just mean is like there has been situations where some athletes in the bubble have gotten false positives from the COVID test. So if they get a, if they get a false positive, they have to go back to their room and quarantine and stay there until they get another two negative tests. So that's kind of the process that happens if you have someone that does possibly test positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge with some of the tests too, is, is, uh, I mean, they're, they're as good as they can be right now, obviously. Um, and so, some variations are better than others. You know, where we're, where we're offices is, uh, you know, you're familiar with Atlanta, the CDC is right down the road. So we still see, yeah. we see a lot of CDC employees and infection control, infection control docs. And it's like, it's just so interesting to talk to people that are actually like have spent their whole life researching diseases and what they say uh, about what's going on and like protocols that are, should be in place and what people are doing and how this should be treated versus the dissemination of like where you get your information, I guess, can be very biased, uh, you know, um, it just uh, on social media or different news organizations and plenty of things. So, uh, you know, for, for you guys, it's interesting that, yeah, they have that false positive and then testing again, because the standards that, that, uh, that we've seen is really to get an accurate test, uh, two, two tests in a row, sometimes three, depending on the test sequence, uh, is yeah. what you have to do, which is a lot of it's a lot of stuff getting stuck in your nose uh, repetitively, you know, like you guys are probably, you're like, can you do the left one today? <laughs> the right ones. You got that one plenty of times oh. the other day. But or like we, the ours is our, our testing process is um, like the mouth swab is like strep throat and then yeah. also the nasal swab. So we do those two. Um, and it's just gone to the point where it's just like, you just get comfortable with people that are just like at first it's kind of awkward, like, Oh, like going to shove this up my nose, stick this, cotton swabbed in the back of my mouth like oh but now it's like all right like we're all in this we're just we're getting real close and personal here totally yeah exactly it's a misery loves company right so uh <laughs> well well i you know i'd love to hear also kind of like going forward uh my experience with uh you know uh, clinicians that we've worked with buddies that i've had that have that have been in the professional ranks uh many of them you know they they kind of migrate to the private sector uh, at a certain point typically aligns with when they have families and and uh and kiddos you know and and uh you know do you see the same uh, trend with your colleagues that are are in that uh in that arena and uh you know if so like where do they typically end up um you know moving into is it private practice or do they work you know for uh you know some other organization or like what's the next step for a lot of people i think that is the next step for a lot of people i think there's this lifestyle is tough like you said if you have family um like you don't get to, it's a lot of, it's a lot of burden on your significant other too. Uh, like we were just joking last night, like yesterday, there's potential that there's going to be another bubble for next season. And one of my friend's wife literally texts him and goes, if there's going to be another bubble, you better think about getting a job because I can't raise three kids by myself. Um, I totally get it. Right. So like that, I mean, to your point, it's like family usually is, in my opinion, what I've seen, what brings people out of sports because you're not in pro, you're not working in my opinion, you have two, two types of people that kind of work in pro sports. One is I just want to be around like the fame of it and the, and the, and sure. the, the glitter of it, but you sniff those people out real quick and they don't last. So most people that are in sports, like enjoy it and want to be it. Um, so when they leave, it usually is for family. And I do see them going into either some sort of consulting roles. Um, they do start their own thing. But, you know, part of like, you know, we first, you know, met was like, we just don't know how to do it, right? Just like as many people don't know how to get into pro sports. We like, all we know is like, I've been a part of a team for how many years now? And now I'm on my own and I get to, I'm making all the calls. So I think it's just as as challenging for us leaving this space 
but also knowing that we can, like, we are very fortunate where we can leverage this platform, having worked at a high, you know, what people perceive to be a high level and having access to resources that not many people have. I think that's the benefit of pro sports is you have access to resources more than anything and resources being tools and technology. Um, also people that just, like I said, this perception of working with athletes, people want to talk to you. I mean, that's really what's helped me, you know, helped me out. I was like, just because I've worked for a pro team, people want to reach out. But if I wasn't working for a pro team, I could promise you my network would be in half. Like it's, yeah. it's just a, a benefit of working in professional sports. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the next steps are for you? What are you, what are you going to do in uh, your, your time oh, in professional organizations are, uh, are, are over or maybe you just stay for a career. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think um, it's too hard to say because like I'm in a great situation with the people I work with. I've worked with, I mean, this is now my fifth GM that I've worked for and he's the best I've ever worked for. So it's really hard when you have something good to even think about like what's next. Cause I just want to embrace what I have right now with the people at the direct people I work with, the people above me, the coach, the GM, it's just it's a great situation out here. So I think it's hard for me to think what's next other than maximize what I have now, but also, you know, when, when kids and, and family come down the road, like, yeah, I want to be coached. I like to be a coaching their soccer team or seeing, you know, seeing them grow up and not miss birthdays. Cause that would be tough. Um, so I think down the road for me, yeah, potentially there's some consulting and, and working in a private sector, but I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. Well, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now with the performance PT uh, education stuff you guys are doing. I think it's a partnership with Altus. Is that right? Yeah. So a group, uh, so Phoenix is a hotbed for sports. I mean, there's, you have all the spring training, you have the five, you have five professional sports teams, you know, NFL, MLB, NBA, and soccer and hockey. And I happen to know people at each of those teams in a, in a close relationship. And so we decided to partner up with Altus, who's also in Phoenix too. We're not partner, but just like work with them. And we put on a little collaboration with, you know, each practitioner from each team, just trying to create perspectives on the same topic so like the last one we just did was return to return to sport and so myself from the suns uh altis the phoenix coyotes and um the arizona diamondbacks all just each did a presentation on what return to play looks like in our sports and really just trying to talk about the same topic from different perspectives and altis was kind enough to to host it on their platform yeah that's cool. We'll, we'll make sure to put a link in there to, uh, you know, where, where that information is at. I, I watched some of your return to, to play um, presentation uh, actually yesterday. And um, I think it's, uh, it's really good. First of all, the, but like the development of frameworks, I think is, it takes so long to synthesize your and organize your thought process of what you do with people. Um, Cause you start working with them and you're getting results, whatever, but then to be able to, you know, put it together the way that you did and take a step back, and be like, all right, well, here's how I look at it. And like, this leads to this. And this is the next step before this. And like, have these frameworks of how to intelligently move people to the next steps of a rehab process to return to, let's say, basketball in this case. Um, I just think it takes a long time uh, of really like reps to understand it. So if anybody's interested in, you know, learning uh, some return to sports, especially when it comes to basketball, I would definitely recommend watching that video. I think it's about 50 minutes or so. Um, but, uh, you know, really, really good concepts, especially if you're a student and you're just like, I mean, I remember being a student, I'm like, the hell, I, every, how many special tests do I have to do on everybody? And, and how many specificities <laughs> do I need to remember? You know, like, that's all I thought I needed to know. And then, you know, I got out and I realized, nope, it's really more about 
uh, understanding and organizing how you work with people so that you can logically move through and uh, avoid mistakes as best as possible, um, you know, and do the right thing for people. So I think you did a really good job with that. Um, if people want to reach out to you in some other way or, uh, you know, connect, like where's the best place for them to do that and, and, uh, and connect with you? Absolutely. I, I think uh, Instagram is probably the, the um, simplest way. Um, I think it's adam.loyakano or adam underscore loyakano. Um, that's the kind of where I'm most active on social media. I do have um, the other handles, but Instagram is definitely for sure. You can find the most. Cool. Well, um, dude, enjoy the rest of your time in, uh, in the bubble. Uh, I saw your, your little tennis racket um, challenge, some, <laughs> some, some soccer uh, juggling uh, challenges. I think uh, keeping yourself busy. It's been, it's been fun for me to watch. I, I, uh, I just think it's so interesting to see what people are doing. But, uh, dude, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. It was nice to catch up, Danny. It's great yeah, to see you. For sure. Next time you're in Atlanta, uh, assuming – Things are normal. We'll see. We'll see, dude. We could do. We'll, we'll we'll meet at a distance at a park or something, or uh, maybe if things are, are good, we we'll grab coffee again. But uh, guys, uh, as always, uh, uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you next time. Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, we are closing in on 200 views on iTunes. That's crazy. Most podcasts hardly get to 100 views, let alone 200. And this is such a niche-specific PT business podcast. That's wild. So let's try to rally the troops and get to 200 reviews for this podcast. The first thing you need to do is you got to sub subscribe to this sucker, whether it's on iTunes or any other platform that you're listening to on, so you know when new episodes are coming out. The next thing, make sure that you leave a review. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them. It means a lot to me. Next thing, guys, take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me in it. That's at Danny Matei PT. If you do this, I will repost it. So you'll get a bump. I'll get a bump. We'll share this information with a lot more people because that's the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of a lot more people. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, tag me in it, and I will repost it. So here we go. Let's try to get to 200 reviews for the podcast. Thanks for listening.